Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome your sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day intensive workshop for men seeking to overcome sexually addictive behaviors. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery. Your experts have over 35 years of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next intensive coming up August 1st through the 3rd. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real-life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm excited because we've got some special guests in the studio. I've got Todd and Marie here, so how are you guys doing? Doing well, thanks. Good. Well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, Folks, just before we get started, I want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we're a listener-supported broadcast, which means that all of these podcasts, the only way they get produced and distributed is through generous donations of listeners like you. So if you would like to learn about the ways that you can come alongside and partner with us, simply go to puresexradio.com and click on the Donate button. So uh, we are going to be spending some time with Todd Marie, and this week we'd like to just have you guys basically tell your story, because I think it's a story that in, in many ways will resonate with a lot of our listeners, and, then, and, and definitely will bring, I believe, a lot of hope to listeners, because... Uh, y'all's is probably one of the most uh, amazing stories I've heard in terms of just all of the different things that you guys have had to go through as a couple. And here you are, you are sitting in front of me as uh, like healthy people, which is <laughs> <laughs> only by God's grace. I mean, that's yeah, truly that's remarkable. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so Todd, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit of your background and kind of your story of brokenness and then... And then, Marie, you guys will share a little bit more about your marriage and how God has done some pretty amazing healing in your lives. Okay, sure. Thanks, Jonathan, for having us on and letting us tell our story of, of God's goodness to us. Um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I uh, had wonderful parents, uh, parents that loved me, cared for me. went to Christian school when I was uh, young and, um, you know, had a, had a great childhood as I look back at it. But there are some things... 
that happened when I was a child that I kept hidden and, and kept, uh, didn't tell anybody about. And as I look back as an adult, I, I think, why didn't I talk to my parents? Why didn't I talk mm-hmm. to somebody? Um, and I don't just want to go into that a little bit. So you guys sort of understand my background and get a, a baseline sort of for my story. When I was 12, uh, we had went to a, to a new church and, uh, uh, when you're 12, you get to a new situation. At least for me, it was very intimidating in some ways, but at the same time, exciting. I, I liked the, the new church we were going to. and uh, But when I got there, a lot of the kids were excluded me from their um, talk, and they would say things like, don't talk to him, you know, there's something wrong with him. I couldn't under, quite figure out what they didn't like about me. And um, so that went on for a couple of weeks. Every week we go to to Sunday school class and we'd all sit together and they'd all slide away and I'd hear him make comments, don't sit close to him. And and at the time I was like, this has got to get better than this. There's there's something wrong with me. Uh, and then one of the guys in the group came over to me after church one time and said, hey, I don't know what, why everybody doesn't like you. I think you're a great kid. Why don't you come over um, to my house and we're, we're spend some time together and we'll figure out what why everybody doesn't like you and, and we'll get you included in our group. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, mm-hmm. So I went over to, I went over to his house um, and we, we ended up uh, going on uh, a horseback ride together and he had a horse and we went off to this private, private area. And at that point, that's when he uh, came on to me as uh, uh, a guy, you know, in a homosexual type relationship would do. And at the time, I, it was something that I knew was totally wrong. Um, I didn't like it, uh, but at the same time, I liked the feeling of acceptance and being, uh, you know, hoping I could get into the group. And then I started thinking, well, maybe all the guys are like this. Maybe this is what guys are like. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is what this church is like. I don't know how what all this is like. I mean, there's all these questions that popped up in my head, but I hated it. I thought this is wrong. I don't like it. But that relationship kept going on for a couple couple years, uh, on and on and off, you know, type of thing. But I was included in in the rest of the guys. The guys didn't treat me mean anymore, and I don't think the other guys knew anything about it. I think yeah. it was just something that this guy had had done, and it was probably he he was a broken from a hurt past. Um, but I'd really felt abused with that. But as I look back now, I think at that point in my life, I made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to ever get too close to a guy. I'm not going to ever um, think I can learn something from somebody, another guy, because I have to learn it myself. Because obviously this guy said he was going to teach me things and, and help me be included, and he really burned. So I, there were some lies that I believed at that point. So you probably developed some fear out of that too, right? Fear of, fear of man, well, if, if this guy can bait and switch like that, maybe all guys... Are like that if they tell you one thing on the front end, but then their ulterior motives on the back. That's end. right, that's right. But deep down inside, I really yearned for close relationships. I mean, I would have guy friends, and we'd go out and things like that. But I wouldn't ever appreciate the closeness that I could get with them. I right. would just, you know, you know, one one night, you know, go out and have a good time, and then think they're not my friend, you know, and go on like that. So when uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I went my, met my wife Marie, and um, we started dating. And uh, by that point, I had started to develop an addiction to 
well, at that point, I wouldn't have called it an addiction, but I started watching porn. Um, and it wasn't even available really on the Internet. I guess I shouldn't say watching porn, but I would talk to other guys or we'd find magazines, you know, that type of thing. Um, had one hidden underneath my bed that my parents had found at one point. You know, and, and so they were aware of some of the things, but they didn't realize how big of a thing it actually had turned out to be. Uh, and then with my relationship with my wife or my girlfriend at that point, I was a senior and she was uh, a sophomore, sophomore, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really connected and fell in love. And, I, you know, at that point, I think my um, looking at porn sort of subsided. You know, I threw that magazine away at that point. Mm -hmm. I remember one time driving over to her house, and I took it along and specifically threw it out in the creek as I drove over the creek. And I don't think I ever told you that. No, you never yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, "This is enough. You know, I'm not. I'm going to get rid of that." And so we ended up um, dating for a while and getting uh, engaged soon after she got out of high school. Mm -hmm. You were eighteen when eight, I was engaged. Yeah. Eighteen when you were engaged, and nineteen when we got married. So, and um, we had a great, happy marriage. Um, the first year of marriage, probably a couple months into it, she realized that I still had a problem. Um, at that point, I realized I, I had a problem, and I looked to try to get some help. But I still kept those things hidden. I didn't share really with anybody else about what had happened when I was 12. And so that would go on again, off again. And, and then I'll just fast forward a little bit. You know, this was something I kept struggling with, um, and I'd go for cycles of maybe three, four months of doing well and then falling back into it and keeping it hidden and then either getting caught or getting convicted um, and then gone another three months. Um, we then fast forward a little bit until we eventually had four kids, uh, four wonderful kids, kids, two boys, two girls, and um, they are now uh, teen, all teenagers, but um, at that point... <laughs> Uh, at that point, uh, when my second son was 11. Well, now, before um, you get to that, so okay. so we're talking about, uh, now, would you say that for this whole, you know, dozen years or so since you got married to the point you're talking about now, you, this was your cycle, three, four months? and Yeah, sometimes it would be three, four months. Sometimes it might be longer. I had. So then how yeah. much, Marie, how much of that were you aware of? During that whole period um, of time, I would have been aware of it every time I would have found evidence of porn. You know, like um, I'd found a receipt already that he had purchased something, or just, I guess I would just ask you some, and every once in a while you'd fess up. <laughs> well, yeah, and a lot of times I wouldn't. Like she would find, I remember that specific incident when she found that receipt. Um, it was for it was at a an at a bookstore, and I said, "Oh, I was buying something for your birthday because it was like the day before her birthday." I mean, and that that lie didn't work too well. I mean, she's not foolish, and I think God gave her the wisdom to see right through me. Uh, but, but we're talking about a long period of time here where mm -hmm. both of you are kind of on this roller coaster, right? Of right something he, being revealed, would, a lot being hidden. Something being revealed, a lot being hidden. Right. That and then I would walk through forgiving all the time, forgiving all the time, and that got old too. So, so up to this <laughs> yeah. point, when you're talking about your son turning eleven, mm -hmm. 
there's there's I would imagine there's a somewhat of a growing tension and weariness in your relationship regarding this cycle. Yes. Well, I I feel like for me, I had gotten to this point that I thought that he wasn't lying to me. Like I started to believe him and I started to let my guard down and just So trust. you were kind of getting slipped slipping into his delusion. And I was, and, and I'm not saying that in terms of like placing blame on you. What I'm saying is He'd become such a skilled liar. Yes. That it was hard for you to not believe his yes. lies. He could look me in the okay. eyes and tell me a lie. And I'm and only saying that because I think we yes. have a lot of mm-hmm. wives in our audience that can resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Of, am I losing my mind? Am, yes. am I crazy? Because I have a feeling mm-hmm. that tells me one thing, but but it seems like all the quote unquote facts right. are telling me another thing. Right. And so a lot of wives deal with that tension of right. my gut's telling me that something's not right here, but. You know, everything that he's lined up just looks like it's absolutely right. 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 You know? So I, I felt like it was more, oh, it's just me. Yeah. It's just me. So I need to believe him. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. Right. Go ahead. So, Go okay. on. <laughs> so then, uh, um, yeah, my, my second son turned 11. Um, as soon after that, he started to develop some. Um, inconsistencies in in his vision, and he started to throw up a lot. And at the time, we we're like, um, "There's something wrong," because it was long term. It wasn't just one sickness. And it started going weeks and months. And we took him to the doctor, and they said, "You know, start writing down some of these things when they're happening. When he has a headache, when he's throwing up." Or pretty soon, uh, we had to get an MRI of his brain because they thought there might be something wrong and it turned out there was that he had a tumor um and that really really hit us hard as parents um we really were broken we were part of a a church that really stood behind us um and prayed for us we really believed for healing um we knew that seth god had a plan for seth and his goal wasn't that seth would die um and we also had a, went down to the hospital, and uh, they said that they could remove the tumor, and they had pretty good hope. Uh, now, a brain tumor, I mean, that's serious stuff. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we started to get a lot of prayer from our church. Uh, we went forward for prayer, um, and we had a lot of people praying. But inside of me, I felt like I had failed as a protector of my children. Um, so I would tell everybody, pray, pray, pray. But in my personal walk with God, I wasn't praying. Um, and I I really feel bad about that now because I really misled probably a lot of people. Uh, but at the same time, I was struggling inside about, you know, about what I believed was true and, and you know, what got, what I felt God uh, cared about me and my family. And was your cycle still going on, too, with the porn and things right. like that? And it was, at that, it was at that point that it probably started to turn for the worse. I mean, it was... Bef- before that, it was always just fantasy, and then it turned to, to acting out uh, in in a more uh, physical way. And and I think I remember thinking this too, um, that I thought to myself, Marie's going to be distracted now, so she's not. I'm not. I can be a little more promiscuous, I could say, or yeah. you know, because she's dealing with all this fear of Seth, um, and. I'm not sure exactly why I chose the things I do, but I think part of it was because when I was 12, 
It was a traumatic experience. And I think when that traumatic experience came back, I started making decisions as a 12-year-old. Um, so that went on um, for about a year and a half. We went through treatments with our son, Seth. And um, after a year and a half of, of surgery, chemo, and radiation, he was declared cancer-free. Um, so at that point, my addiction was in full-blown form, and Marie wasn't suspicious about it, didn't, didn't acknowledge it, at least to me at that point. But my addiction kept going on. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I was totally distracted from just trying to run a household, taking our son to treatment, facing these decisions, and so I wasn't really thinking about Todd and his addiction. Well, because at that point you have four kids that are between what ages? Um, seven to thirteen. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that spells chaos. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, and not and not I necessarily was, even in a negative way. It's just busyness. You right. know, there's not a dull moment. Right. Right. And, and it I, wasn't. And I was yeah. completely exhausted and weary just from the whole idea and and trauma of having a son with cancer. Oh, absolutely. And then trying to parent three other healthy children at the same time and, and try to be a wife and all these things, I didn't really stop to think, mm-hmm. how's my husband dealing with all this and coping with this? Right. I was just trying to get well, myself way you're in it. survival mode. I was very much in survival yeah. mode, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, then that, that um, led to me being probably a little less protective of my addictions and, and eventually... Um, I came down one morning and I didn't feel like going up to my office to turn on my computer and I didn't feel like, um, oh, my phone, my phone was dead. So I decided to use my wife's phone to, um, if you, <laughs> sorry, my wife tapping on the shoulder, on the knee, I thought she wanted to say something. But <laughs> well, you're, sorry. you're, you're describing the, uh, the logic of a sexual addict. Of, right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll just use my wife's phone here. Right? I mean, you it know. It makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, go ahead. Cause I think there's an interesting hindsight. Right. In right. This. And, and so, you know, in hindsight, I would say, you know, that was stupid, but at the same time, you know, that was God's grace on me led to my first steps because what happened the next day is my wife found a video that had been downloaded on her phone that I hadn't realized. I thought it was deleted and she asked me what it was and I'm like, I don't know anything about it, you know. Well, she ended up taking that to the Verizon store and said, how did this video get on my phone? Because <laughs> she wanted proof. She didn't want me to go in and try to lie out of something again. She knew something was wrong. Um I'm sure that Verizon employee loved getting in the middle of that, right? I know. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I'm sure thought. that's probably not the first time that a you know a Verizon or right. AT&T employee has had well, a wife come in and say, "How'd this get on my phone?" Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, at that moment, I thought, if he's lying to me, I am not going to be a carpet and let him rub his feet on me anymore. Right. That I'm going to be strong and I'm going to find out. Well, you know, and and just again going back to just however how many years that have years. that have that was that kind of built up nineteen years of marriage at that point. Yeah, and yes, so I decided to take things into my own hands a little bit and find out for myself how I got on my phone. Right. So she <laughs> she came back home to me and said, "Hey, I went to the store today, and they said somebody did this. 
did you do this? Well, inside of me, I was crying out. I wanted this to come out. I wanted healing, but I would continue going back to the same addiction because that's what an addiction is. You're addicted. Um, and I, But I wanted to be free. I wanted to be out of this. And so, of course, my first gut was to protect myself. Thinking I was protecting my wife. If I if I tell her it wasn't me, she's going to believe me and then feel okay again. Um, so then, of course, then there's only two other options. If I didn't download, it must have been one of our kids. Um, so then she said, "Well, I guess I have to ask our boys." And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess you have to ask her." And then ask them. And uh, so, you know, then after she left, I started thinking to myself. You know, I started having dialogue. I think God and I were sort of having dialogue together and I f- really felt a strong sense of, okay, Todd, now's your time. If you really want to get set free, now's the time to lay it on the table because you're not going to be able to do it unless you, the truth comes out. And it is that point that it started the ball of rolling of me starting to admit the problems I had. Um, we were youth leaders at the time in charge of our our youth group and, and led the senior high. And we loved doing that. It was part of our ministry. Um, I was helping some young guys in, in the youth ministry deal with some of the, the problems that teenagers have. And it was, it was very enjoyable to help them and encourage them and have great relationships with them. So then as we started to confess, we decided it would be good to go see a counselor. And uh, in that counseling meeting, the counselor really strongly encouraged me to disclose everything. Um, not to just disclose part of it. Right. Um, so as I disclosed that, um, and we also felt it would be good to disclose to our pastor. And um, so at that point, it was his decision and ours together that it would be good to step down from youth ministry. Um, so can I interject here? Yeah, go so, ahead. <laughs> so at this point, it is taking Todd five weeks to disclose from the first time I saw that porn on the phone to hearing every single thing that he has been involved in. Mm -hmm. And with each time he told me, knocked me down. And it was almost like I felt like Job in the Bible where he talks about um, his children were away and and the messenger came. And I I forget the whole order of it. but They came one after the other. One after another, one after another. And the very last one, he said, your children are dead. And Job fell to his knees. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I felt like I I was broken. I was the lowest point I felt like I could get. And so I was just... I was well, too- when you think about it, you were already weary from all these years of sort of this roller coaster cycle mm-hmm. of, of not ever really having full knowledge and not ever really mm-hmm. knowing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Todd not ever really confessing. Mm-hmm. And so there's already that weariness built up, and then now once it all comes out, it's like how can how can you both not be broken? Right. Like just like kind of puddles on on the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Now share what you felt like, Marie, when here. Okay, not only are you devastated just from this news that's right. come out, but then share how you felt about now needing to step down or agreeing to step <laughs> down from youth ministry. I was not too happy. <laughs> I was very angry with me. With me. at Todd. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I felt like here I was in a ministry that I loved. I loved the teenage girls. We'd go out for coffee. I just loved being involved in their lives. 
And I felt like, you know, you find a little niche in things. And I mm-hmm. felt like this is where God was calling me. And all of a sudden, because of my husband's sin, I have to give this up. I was very upset and very, there, there was anger there. That's a lot of anger. And it was something that I really, really had to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's out there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What, I mean, what happens now? Do you guys just decide, I mean, hey, we're done? Or, I mean, do you just, what What happened? Because it seems like, you know, a couple in that situation, you really, you've got multiple options. Mm-hmm. And why don't you share with our listeners the option that you ultimately chose? Okay. That's, that's oftentimes not a popular option. Right. Because you're yes. not feeling that option at the moment. Well, I felt like at this moment when Todd had disclosed everything to me that I had a choice. And I felt like I had biblical grounds for divorce. And in some ways, it seemed like the easy way out. And I'm not I'm not saying that if people choose that, it is the easy way out. Right. But, but to me, that's kind of where I, I felt like if I would do that, I wouldn't have to deal with all this pain. There might be some immediate relief to that. Yes, immediate release. And and so I really, really searched for an answer. I I was on my knees praying with God and and I just really felt clearly that he he told me that, you know, if if you do divorce, it might seem like it's gonna be easier now, but in the long run it could be harder. But if you stay together, it's gonna be really hard now. But in the long run, it could be very good. And he also was very clear to me that if we, if, if I say, okay, I'm in this, that God said, I have a work to do in your life too. That there, there's, a, there's something that you're going to be, you know, that I have work too to do. It wasn't and just all Todd. And you know what I think is neat about that is that you probably couldn't have received that from anybody other than God. Oh, no. Because can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine anybody else coming? In? And this is where I think you know counselors have to pick and choose their moments to say certain things. Because mm-hmm. can you imagine in that moment if anybody, even the most well-meaning person, came up to you and said, "You know, Marie, you got things you need to work on in your life too." I would have. Yeah, I would have been pretty upset at them because I would have got really defensive and been and, like, "I'm hurt." And while <laughs> that is fault. true, that is true. I think there's a timing that that needs to come out. Mm-hmm. And because it was God that delivered mm-hmm. that to you, somebody that was your first love mm-hmm. and you had seen be faithful in your life, your whole, mm-hmm. it's, you, you were able to receive that. Yes. So then what happened from there? Um, so then we took some time to really focus on this recovery. You know, once she had said, okay, I'm willing to work in this if you're willing. And we continued to go to counseling. And they gave us homework to do. We had a lot of nights where we would lay in bed for three, four hours of just looking eye to eye and talking. And there was no physical relationship at that point. Uh, that wasn't an option. And and I was okay with that because it, it I really started to realize how precious Marie is and how valuable she is to me and how much I love her. And uh, so there was a time of we had a lot of homework to do. We had a lot of counseling to attend to. I had an accountability partner. I started going to an accountability group, you know, and just share with my accountability partner every week of just all the sin that had that had mounted up um, all those years. And every week go to him and just sort of spill my guts to him. And he was just basically there to listen. Um, he didn't very often have a whole lot of 
things for me to do other than come back next week and share again. And that was my pastor, and I really thank God for him being willing to do do that and be there for that. What you're basically saying to me is that sometimes going down a road that's a good option isn't easy. Right. And I think a lot of times, you know, we see this in, a, in guys a lot of times, but also we see it in wives a lot of times. Mm-hmm. The pain is so intense when, when that whole bomb explodes, when mm-hmm. all of this disclosure comes out. The pain is so intense that we, we falsely assume a lot of times that the best option is the one that leads away from the pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes what you guys, what I'm hearing in your story is for you guys, the best option was grabbing God's hand and him taking you through the pain. Right. Right. And so, so in our last, you know, minute here that we have, or just a couple of, you know, we don't have much time, what would be the thing that you would want listeners to hear that might be right in the midst of that pain? I think what I, what I needed, what I think is when I would wake up in the morning, I would think I can't get out of bed because it's too painful. And I just felt like God said, you can just take one minute at a time, one day at a time. Don't, don't look don't look forward to tomorrow or tonight when you have to deal with that pain again, but just take one day at a time, one minute at a time. Well, I think for women, I would really emphasize on renewing your minds and finding out who you are in Christ and your identity and knowing that you do have value because mm-hmm. God has given you value and he sees you with value. And even though you don't feel like your husband sees you with any value anymore because every, all that was taken away, that your identity is the daughter of a king. And there's high value in that. Excellent. Well, Todd and Marie, thanks for being with us. Listeners, uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to be back next week with uh, Todd and Marie to share a little bit of the rest of their story and just some other insights that might be helpful for you in your own recovery journey. We look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.